All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at <coughs> excuse me, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and anyway, we're going to be continuing our uh, study this morning on knowing the Holy Spirit. And my heart is that you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So anyway, uh, again, uh, uh, thank you for joining us. We are, uh, we do have our messages archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, uh, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, also, with all that said, you know, we, you can also go on our website. You can uh, support our ministry. We thank you for those who have. <coughs> uh, and so we, we, we appreciate that. Uh, you can give your tithes, offerings, and uh, there at lighthousediscipleship.org. Anyway, uh, so we're continuing our message this morning, our, our, our series on knowing the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I introduced this the last couple of weeks. You know, we talked a lot about having, knowing God, knowing the Father. We talked a lot about knowing Jesus. And I agree to that. But we also need to know the Holy Spirit. We need to have a relationship with all members of the Godhead. And so we've been talking about that briefly last week. Jesus said in John 17 uh, that this is eternal life, that you know him. And knowing Him also includes knowing the Holy Spirit, not just uh, Jesus, not just uh, the Son, but knowing the Holy Spirit. And I want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Last week I, I, I talked a little bit from Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, Second uh, Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse fourteen. This is actually the last verse of the second book to Corinthians, and Paul ends it by saying this in Second Corinthians uh, thirteen fourteen: the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Ghost, be with you all. Amen. And so, Paul includes in this uh, uh, benediction three things that we would know. <coughs> that we would know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would know the, the love of God. And we would know the communion of the Holy Spirit. I also brought out, and I'll put it on the screen again today, uh, from the Message Bible. I don't know more you teach from this translation or paraphrase. But I'll bring it up on the screen today again. But from the Message Translation... Well, if it will work, uh, so far it's not working. Well, it was working just a minute ago. So let me just read it to you. Uh, actually, I don't have, uh, yeah, I do. Excuse me. From the message translation, I wrote it out here. The amazing grace of uh, the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that's my heart as a pastor, is that you would not only know the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ and the extravagant, extravagant love of the Father, but you would also know the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. We talked a lot in this church about the grace of God, about the grace of Christ. We talk a lot about in this church about the extravagant love of the Father. And right now in this series, I want to focus on knowing the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Because he's our friend. He's a friend that will <coughs> stick closer to the brother. He's, he's, a, he's a friend. Uh, he will be united to you. He'll be, he'll be your best friend you've ever had. And he'll lead you into life. He'll lead you into the light. He will lead you into the truth. And he will lead you into joy that's unspeakable. He will be your best friend. And I want I want to continue on that note this morning, 
and then we're going to get some some new territory, hopefully in the second half of this teaching. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. We're going to spend a little bit of time here in John 14, 15, and 16. In the book of John, just before Jesus goes to the cross, <coughs> Jesus spends some time talking about the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus thought it was worth spending three whole chapters talking about this helper, this friend, this intimate friendship we should have with the Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus thought it would, you know, usually when someone's last words on their deathbed, the coach before the big game speaks to his, his team in the locker room, or in the big huddle, those last words are very important. And so um, Jesus has given some very intimate instructions. He had just washed their feet. They had just had the Lord's Supper. He washed their feet. He gave them some very intimate uh, um, information. And then he spends three whole chapters uh, talking about the Holy Spirit before he goes to the cross. So Jesus thought it was worth talking about, so I think it's worth for us to talk about. So... We're not going to read all three chapters and, and entire and everything, but let's focus on a couple of different things here. If you're in John 14, we're going to pick it up in verse 15. <coughs> John 14:15. It says, "If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you the another another Comforter, and He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth." Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with it, with you, and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Uh, yeah, a little while. Uh, anyway, this here, I'm reading from the King James, because my iPad wasn't working this morning, as far as my Bible. So I may have to go back to the old-fashioned way and read the Bible out of the, uh, the, the good old book. So anyway, uh, but... It says here, uh, you know, um, let me just read part of it again. Verse 16, And I pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Some translations will translate helper, uh, that he may abide with you forever. How many of you know we need help? <laughs> and if you say you don't need help, well, you're the type of person who needs help the most. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to be mean, but we need help. And we need help to live this Christian life. We need help to be good parents and good spouses. We need help in the nation and the world that is just going bananas. We need help. We need help in these last days. We need a comforter. We need a help helper. And he said, he goes on to say in verse 17, Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, and neither knoweth him not. You know, again, you know, he knows him not. I'm, the title of this message is Knowing the Holy Spirit. The world can't receive the Holy Spirit because it doesn't know him. But that's why we need to know him. You can't know someone you haven't received. And, but you, you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. We need the, the help of the Holy Spirit. We're going to read some other chapters, uh, references here. He will lead you into all truth. How many of you want to know the truth? Because the truth will set you free. But the truth can't set you free if you don't know it. It says in John 8, chapter 8, you should know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth can't set you free if you don't know it. But the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. 
And there's a lot of messages going out there. We are in a country that is divided, among other things. I mean, I'm not just talking politics, but we're divided on a lot of social issues. We're divided on a lot of a lot of things. I mean, the church has been divided for years with all the different denominations and whatnot. In, in that regard, you know. And so, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to make being this negative, but we need to hear truth. And there's so many voices right now. There's so many different things. And there's so many lies being spoken all over the map. We need the spirit of truth. We need help. We need to have a secret place where we can go and be with our Father. We can be with the Holy Spirit. And we can get some counsel. We can get some help. We can get some comfort. We need that. You know, even families, you know, uh, we love our families. We love our friends. But not everyone is walking in what I call the truth. And, uh, you know, and, and, and even, you know, and I don't think anyone, I mean, I know there are people who are out there just evil and, and, and purposely revolting against one another. But so you can only, you can only stand for what you know. You can only stand for what you believe is truth. And there's been, there's a lot of deception going on out there. Uh, Jesus said it this way, many hearts will wax cold in fear of the things coming on the earth. Because of the, all of, if you are not established in the truth, your heart has a potential of waxing cold with all the things that are going on in our world and that will go on in our world. And we need the Comforter. We need the Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truth. And we need to be led by the Spirit. If Israel had to be led by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit in these days. We don't have a pearl cloud per se, and we'll get into some things, things like that a little bit later. But it's just a, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Even on our best day, even if there wasn't calamity and different stuff going on in the world, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit if we're going to be effective. I want to be effective. I want to reach our world. I want to be effective, not just in reaching my world, but as a husband, as a pastor, and everything I do, I want to be effective, and we need to, we need to know the Holy Spirit. He says the world can't, doesn't know, doesn't receive Him because He doesn't know Him. I want to know Him. Because He says He will dwell in you, and He'll be in you, He'll be with you. Fast forward to me to John 15. Like I said, I'm not going to read all of this. I'm just going to get a few nuggets here. John 15, verse 26. Excuse me. Sorry, I'm not used to using my phone for this. Uh, so again, I'm out of King James. It says, But when the Comforter, or Helper, is come, whom I will send unto you <coughs> from the Father... Even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. I like that last phrase. And he shall testify of me. Your helper, your friend, your comforter, the Holy Spirit won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He won't impute your faults to you. He will help you get it right when you get it wrong. You know... Um, but he, more importantly, I believe he will conf he will lead you. He will testify of me. The message translation says he will confirm everything about me. I like that. The Holy Spirit will confirm everything. He will testify. Isn't that what a testimony is? When you have a court system that's just, 
and you have a witness on the witness stand and they give a testimony, that testimony is supposed to confirm the evidence. It's supposed to confirm. And the Holy Spirit will testify of him. We're going to get into this a little bit later in our study, but it says in Acts 1.8, we will be witnesses. If we are a witness, we are going to give a testimony. You can't give a testimony unless you have that testimony. And the Holy Spirit will testify of him. We need the Holy Spirit because in that Acts one eight says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you should be, you should be, let me let me rephrase that. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses. The Holy Spirit who testifies of Jesus will will be that inner witness. Will be the Holy Spirit who will help you be a witness, because He will testify of Jesus. I don't know if you're connecting the dots with some of that. Uh, we'll get into that a little more detail later, but. But the Holy Spirit will uh, testify of Jesus. It's not about, well, we'll get into the gifts. We'll get into different things. We'll talk about these different things. But the purpose of the gifts is not to testify of the gifts. The purpose of the gifts is not to testify, look, I got this gift. That's not the testimony. That is not the message. That's a tool. It's a gift. Uh, uh, it, it's a resource. You know, uh, if you've watched Narnia, the first one that came out, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when the four children received gifts, the, the gifts were not the focus. The gifts were tools. Peter got the sword. Uh, uh, Susan got the, the horn and the, 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 the bow and arrow. Uh, and Lucy got the, the, the bottle that brought healing. I know it has a name, but anyway. And then about the, the little dagger. We see her using that in Prince Caspian, you know, uh, and uh, and then uh, uh, there was gifts also for uh, uh, Edmund as well, even though he wasn't there at that present time, you know. And so there were gifts, but they were not to be used foolishly. They were not to be used selfishly. They were used for a purpose when they were needed to be used. Okay, but the Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. We'll get into some of this a little bit more. Let's go to John four sixteen. We'll, we'll spend a little more time with that a little bit later. So, hopefully I didn't bring any confusion there. But in John 16, beginning with verse 4. I'm oh, sorry. John, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I said that wrong. John, oops, I, I doubt it didn't run on my phone, though. John 16. Beginning with verse 4. But those things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asked me, Whither goest thou? In other words, he's saying, I'm going away. But none of you have asked me, where are you going? <laughs> you know, where are you going? You know, but they've been with him for three and a half years. And all of a sudden he said, I'm going away. He said, none of you have asked where I'm going. But because, verse, verse 6, I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient to you, for you. <coughs> Excuse me. It is expedient for you 
that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter or the Helper will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for reading from the King James today. But, you know, it just, uh, he's, basically what I hear him saying here, and there's a lot he's saying, but he says, I'm leaving, but you're not getting it. And many of us haven't got it. We, most of us have got it to the point that we understand what the cross was. We understand why Jesus was going away to go to the cross. But most of us have not understood to the fullness of why the Holy Spirit needed to come. He said, it's expedient that I go, that we receive the Holy Spirit, that we receive this comforter, this friend. Yes, we need this friend who's going to testify of him, who's going to testify of Jesus. It's more expedient. And the New King James says, it's to your advantage that I go. It's to our advantage that we that he goes. He says, if I, I have to leave so that, yes, he's going to go to the cross. We understand that. I'm not trying to take away from that. But I'm talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. So that's my focus. And so I have to, he says, I have to leave so the Holy Spirit can come. It's to your advantage that the Holy Spirit comes. In one sense of the word, Jesus is just about ready to multiply himself. <laughs> Jesus hadn't had gone to the cross yet. So Jesus was still operating as the Son of Man. As the Son of Man, Jesus was not omnipresent. As the Son of God, He is. But as the Son of Man, He wasn't omnipresent. But the Holy Spirit can be anywhere and everywhere at the same time. Jesus, so can Jesus now too. But I don't want to get so caught up in a lot of that. But it's, a, it's to your advantage. It's expedient that I go. He says, in other words, church, what we have with the Holy Spirit is better than what we could have or would have being with Jesus in the flesh. Most of us, including myself, would have loved to spend three and a half years with Jesus, face to face. But what we have with the Holy Spirit now, after the cross, and with the Holy Spirit, is better than what the disciples had for three and a half years with Jesus face to face. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16, we know no man after the flesh, even Christ. Christ is no longer in the flesh. He is a resurrected king. And he, he, he is a son of God. But we have the Holy Spirit. We have, He cleansed these vessels. I talked about this in this first week. That we took, when He cleansed us through the cross. He sanctified us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And He has filled these jars of clay with His glory. With His presence. And what we have in the, in the Holy Spirit is better than what we would have had being with Jesus in the flesh. It goes on to say, here in John 16, beginning verse 8, this part can be a little confusing to some people. And when He is come, talking about the Holy Spirit, He, the Holy Spirit, will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of the world is judge. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I have in previous lessons. But this is a part can be a little confusing to some people who don't understand grace. 
the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. There's only one sin that's not covered by the cross, and that is the re- <coughs> that is the rejection of the cross. I want to say that again. There's only one sin that's not covered by the cross, and that is the rejection of the cross. I can teach on that in a lot more detail. But he can, he, he said, again, he says, that of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I, uh, let me read it again. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Righteousness has everything to do with the resurrection. It says in Romans 4.25 that he was raised for our justification. That word justification is the same word as righteousness in the Greek. For in my favorite verse, for he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. My sin killed him, but he was raised for my justification. He was raised for my righteousness. And I need the, I need the Holy Spirit to remind me of that. I need the Holy Spirit to convict me that I am righteous in his sight because I believe on Jesus. And then the last one, I like, I like this one, verse 12, uh, 11, of judgment because the person of the world is judge. Not going to be judge, is judge. Okay? The ruler of this world is judge. <coughs> Jesus said in Luke uh, ten eighteen, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He said in Revelation 1, 18, I have the keys of hell and death and the grave. Satan has no authority. Sometimes we, see, I met a lot of Christians through the years who think Satan still has authority. He does not have authority. And we need the Holy Spirit to remind us that he is judged. There's a lot of evil going on in the world. We need to be reminded, church, by the Holy Spirit that Satan is judged. Many people are trying to cast the devil out of everything. But be convicted by the Holy Spirit. He is already judged. He can't have any authority that you don't give him in your life, in your situations. Why? He's judged. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It says in Psalm 89 that in His righteousness we shall be exalted. God exalts us in His righteousness. I spent a lot more time on that in other teachings. But um, He goes on to say, verse 12, I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. <coughs> How be it? When He, the, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath, hath are mine. Therefore said I, said I, that he shall take a mine and show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. 
there's a, there's a lot being said here. Again, I don't have time to spend on every single thing he's saying here. But again, one thing I do want to point out, and I said this earlier just a few minutes ago. Um, uh, try to find it real quick. Uh, verse 13, I think it is. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of the truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Okay? He also says that he will glorify me. He will speak of me. The Holy Spirit, again, he says this over and over again, he will testify, he will <coughs> glorify me. You know, even, we'll, we'll look at this a little bit later when we talk about tongues and whatnot, but even in the book of Acts, Acts at Pentecost, the, when they heard them speaking in tongues, they heard them speaking in tongues in their own languages, uh, uh, telling of the wonderful works of God. The Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus. And there's some people who operate in, uh, I call it the gifts or the spirit, and they're not doing anything but exalting themselves. And I want the gifts, and I, and, 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 and I want, you know, I want to edify. Edify means to build one another up. So there is a building up of one another, but it should all be glorifying Him. It should all be magnifying Him, not people. He will glorify you. Um, he will glorify him. Sorry. He glorifies and reveals Jesus to you. He also says this twice in verses 14 and 15. But he says, let me read that again. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father hath, hath are mine. Therefore said I, and that he shall take of mine and show it to you. I love that. He will take everything that is Jesus and declare it to you. I like the New King James says it that way. He'll take what's mine and declare it to you. How many of you know that everything Jesus has is ours? We're one flesh with him. Sherry and I will joke all the time. Whatever I have is yours. Whatever you have is mine. That's the way we see marriage. And, 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 and I get in some relationships, there's abuse going on, and that, that can be a different story. But that's how we see marriage. That's how we do things. Everything I have is hers, everything she has is mine. We're one flesh with him, it says in uh, Ephesians 5.30. We're one flesh with him. And so, so everything he has is mine. And I love this because he said it, and I like it that he says it twice. He says, I will take all things that are, the Father hath are mine. Therefore, he said, and he should... Uh, uh, let me actually let me read this real quick from the New King James. Uh, I, I just want to zero this. I don't want to skip over this too fast. But John 16, uh, verses 14 and 15 real quick. It says, I will glorify, uh, he, he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, all things that the Father has has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. That's awesome. Your friend. Paul says he wants us to know the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Your friend will take what is Jesus and declare it to you. And everything Jesus has comes from the Father. Everything Jesus has comes from the Father. And the Holy Spirit will declare what is of Jesus that came from the Father to you. I see the Godhead involved in all that. It originated with the Father. It's Jesus because it came from the Father. 
And the Holy Spirit will declare what is of Jesus that came from the Father to you. That's awesome. Everything Jesus has came from the Father. And the Holy Spirit will declare everything Jesus has that came from the Father and declare it to you. And he says it twice. He repeats himself on purpose. He wants you to get that. Okay? See, the Holy Spirit will declare what is God's to you. In other words, God, the Holy Spirit will reveal mysteries. The Holy Spirit does not create mysteries. That makes sense? There's a lot of people who operate in the Holy Spirit that is very mystical. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit doesn't create mysteries. He reveals the mysteries of God. Okay, that's the key ingredient. Okay? So, we've talked a lot about knowing Him. <coughs> because he'll go on to say in John 17, the very next chapter, that this is eternal life, that you know Him. I want to know Him. I want to know God. I want to know the Father. I want to know Jesus, the Son of God. And I want to know the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, as, as Paul says, again, in, from the Message Bible, in Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen, I want you to know His amazing grace. I want you to know the extravagant love of the Father. And I want you to know the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Go with me real quick to Acts 19. And we're going to start transitioning uh, to some new territory. Acts 19. And we'll pick it up verse 1. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they asked, so they said to him, We have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Apollos had been had some disciples just like Paul and any other teacher had disciples. And so Paul came in, in contact with some of Apollos' disciples and he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? That's one, one teaching we'll, we'll get into is that the, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a distinct experience from receiving salvation. That's clear in this passage. Because Paul asked the question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So that, that tells me they're distinct. There's some other scriptures we can use, but that's one of them. But the response was this. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. You know, the title of this teaching, the title of this series is Knowing the Holy Spirit. And some of you, can, I can ask you the same question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And some of you could be like like these disciples of Apollos. We haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. We have never been introduced to the Holy Spirit. You know? And so, uh, I want you to introduce you to Him. That's what this teaching is about. We can talk about the gifts, and we will. We'll talk about different things, and we will. But I want you to know Him. I want to introduce you to Him. Your comforter, your friend, your counselor. Okay? Because some people, and, and unless we talk about who the Holy Spirit is, 
It, it sounds backwards to talk about the gifts. The gifts are the gifts of the Spirit. But we need to know who the Spirit is. We need to be able to discern what is the Spirit and not of the Spirit. But I want you to know who He is. Okay? Now, there's different aspects of the Holy Spirit that we'll get into in this, te- in this series, not today. But one of those is wind. Wind. W-I-N-D. So go with me real quick to Acts chapter 2. That's where we'll, get, that's where we'll begin with this topic of wind. Yeah, I don't know about where you live, but here in Southern California, it was a little windy yesterday. Okay? So we, we've actually had uh, several windy days this, uh, this season. In the fall and here in the early part of winter. But Acts chapter 2. I'll just start with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come... They were all with one accord in one place. <coughs> Excuse me. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Again, I want to emphasize this. Um, and uh, Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty Wind. I want to talk to you in knowing the Holy Spirit under the subject of knowing Him as a wind. We'll look at some other things later. But today, I want to, at the remainder of our time, I want to look at uh, the wind, the nature of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our world as it relates to wind. First of all, let me just look at this word spirit real quick. The word spirit. Uh, the, the King James will call it Holy Ghost. Most other translations will call it Holy Spirit. And just the fact that we mentioned the word spirit, or ghost, the first thing that comes to some of our minds is Casper. <laughs> you know? And we're not talking about something spooky. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Ghost. But this word spirit, and I want to look at the Hebrew real quick, and then I want to look at the Greek. But the word in the Hebrew, the word, and I might not be pronouncing this correct, so any scholars out there don't don't criticize me here, but the word Hebrew is ruach, ruach, r u a c h is a transliteration of that, and uh, it's ruach, and this Hebrew word for spirit is it's defined as spirit, wind, breath, blast of wind, or whirl. We see this in Genesis one two. You don't have to turn there. But it talks about how the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. That's where this word rock is used. This wind, the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. If you continue to study scripture about the Spirit of God, especially in the Old Testament but also in the New, see the, the wind of God, the Spirit of God, the breath of God always brings order to chaos. He did that in creation. He does that in our lives. He does that in our spirit man. He does that in our marriages, our finances, and every area. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the rock of God, always brings order to chaos. He doesn't make chaos. He brings order. Okay, we'll get into that a little bit later. A little bit more. 
But in, even in our spirit-filled churches, one of the beauty of the wind of God, one of the beauties of the spirit of God in, 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 in the context of wind, and that brings order to chaos. It doesn't create chaos. There's some churches, like the church in Corinthians, that brought some chaos. And Paul had to bring some order to that chaos through his teaching, through his apostleship. Okay? Now let's look at the Greek real quick. In the Greek, it's the word pneuma. Pneuma. It's, uh, it's, it's defined as current of air. And I might not be pronouncing it right. Pneuma. P-U-N-E-M-A is a transliteration of that. Current of air. It's current of air or the breath or breeze. Oh God. Okay. Uh, we see this in John 20:22. 20, when Jesus breathed on the disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. There's a breath of God, the wind of God. We see this also in Genesis chapter 2. I know this is Old Testament, but you can see this in the, trans, in the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew. Jesus taught from the Septuagint. So if Jesus taught from the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Hebrew, then I think it's okay we teach on the Septuagint. If Jesus thought it was okay. Anyway, that's, that's just a little footnote. But in the Genesis chapter, the reason I say that because the word pneuma is used uh, instead of rock in the Greek, even in the, in the Old Testament. But in Genesis 2-7, it talks about when uh, how God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of God, the, and he became a living soul. Uh, Paul talks about this too in, in 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, it always, in other words, the breath of God, the wind of God, always brings life into situations I'm experiencing. He always brings life. It brings order. And it brings life. The breath of God. The wind of God. Now, go with me real quick to John chapter 3, verse 8. I was going to read it from the Amplified, but I don't have that in front of me. So that's fine. We'll just read it from the New King James. John chapter 3, verse 8. We will be referring to this, uh, this scripture uh, several, multiple times as I go over talking about the wind of God. But in John 3, 8, it says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of, the, of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I like that, because that really explains the Spirit of God and how it relates to wind. I'm going to read this again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it is, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, the, the uh, reason I like that too is the word wind is used at the beginning of that verse, and the word spirit is used at the end of that verse, and it's the same word. It's, both of those are pneuma. Both of those are the same word. Wind, Spirit of God. We don't always know where it comes from. We can't figure, in other words, we can't always figure it all out. Okay? I mean, you know, there's a song that I used to like, and I still like it, I used to sing, sing called How He's an Indescribable God. 
God is very indescribable. He, there's some things that we can describe about God, but we don't know everything about God. We're still getting to know God, you know. And so there's some things of God, there's some things that you just can't figure it out. Just be still and know that He is God, okay? We can't see Him. We can't see it, the wind. We can't see him, this Holy Spirit, but we know there is, we know he's there because of effect. I can feel, I can go outside on a windy day and I can feel it. I can see the effects of the wind. It blowing the leaves and it blowing things over at at times. I can see it move the leaves and the trees. I can see it move a flag and as it's waving in the wind. We can't see the spirit realm. But we can see the effects of the Spirit all around us. The Spirit realm is as real as Jesus. The, the wind was to a natural man. Let me say this again. The Spirit realm is as real to Jesus as the wind was to natural man. In other words, the Spirit realm is real just like wind is real. You can't see it. But you can feel it. And you can see its effects. Those who don't believe that spiritual things exist are as blind as those who don't believe there is wind because they can't see it. I want to say it again. Those who don't believe that the spiritual realm exists are as blind or naive as those who don't believe there is wind because they can't see it. Go with me real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We spent some time here, uh, I think in our second week together, or maybe it was the first week, I don't remember. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And Paul is saying, he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, Declaring to you the the testimony of God. But I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Just because you can't see it, God wants His Spirit to be working in your hearts. His Spirit, like wind, be working in the hearts and lives so that your faith would not be in men, but in God. What does this have to do with wind? We'll, bring that, we'll, we'll connect the dots in a minute. Folks, I don't want my my faith to be based on intellect alone. I don't want my faith to be based on philosophy alone. I don't want my faith to be based on psychology. I want my faith to be based on the Word of God and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Truth. I want my faith to come from Him, not me, not my intellect. Can I? Can God give me intellect? Yes. Jesus said, by your traditions, by your philosophy, you make the word of God of no effect. 
philosophy can be dangerous. We'll talk about signs and wonders at some point in this teaching. But the me, the me is not the, of what, how the different, what do you, 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 you got. I'm okay with being slain in the spirit. We'll talk about that later. I'm okay with people shaking different things to a certain degree. But not to the point where I, I want to be careful. To me, those are not the wonders that the Bible's talking about. We'll get into this a little more in detail later. But to me, a wonder, a sign in the wonder is, for example, you didn't have a kidney and now you do. <laughs> you, you, the doctor said you were going to die in a, in a week and you lived 20 more years. Those are awesome things. There's some other things we can talk about. I'm not so big about some religious or spiritual experience you have. I want to know how to change your life. I want to know how to change other people's lives. I'm not, I'm not discounting some of the experiences because the wind can do different things. There can, there can be different effects to the wind. You know, sometimes when the wind blows, it blows a lot of different things. But, but, but I, what I want to see is the demonstration of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, and there are multiple different kinds of manifestations of the Spirit. And, I, and, and why am I going here? We'll talk about some of these things like signs and wonders, some of the things I just talked about. I don't want to confuse by saying that. But there is, you can see, there is an effect of the, of, of the Spirit of God, just like there's an effect of wind. You can't see it. You can feel it. You can see its effects. I don't want to just talk about the Word of God. I don't want to just talk about the Gospel. I believe there needs to be a demonstration of the Gospel. And there's many manifestations of it. And there's many effects of it. But I believe it should change our lives. I believe it should... The, uh, the verse that we just read in Corinthians, I believe there should be a demonstration of the Word and in power. And what power am I talking about? I believe the gospel is the power of God. The, God the, the Holy Spirit will give us power to be a witness. What witness? To testify of Jesus. I, if you had a, a, a emotional moment, and we'll talk about that. I'm not against emotions. God gave us emotions. God gave us feelings. But I'm, I'm trying to make myself clear here. It's just that I'm not worried about having some spiritual experience and no life got changed. That may or may not have been the Holy Spirit. But I don't care about, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound mean or arrogant, but I don't really care about the, the, the different manifestations. What I want to hear is the testimony. The demonstration of the Spirit of God in power. Just because, because you got what some people call spirit ghost goosebumps, it's not going to change my life. It's not going to be something that I go, wow. But if I see a life change, if I see the kingdom of God being exalted, if I see that someone get a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge and it changes the course of their life and it makes a difference, praise God. Am I making sense? But I want to see God being exalted. I want to see God being magnified. I want to see the kingdom of God being demonstrated. The, 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 the wind might blow a few leaves. I don't care about those leaves. 
I do like watching the flag wave and different things. I do like to win. I like, and we'll get into, but there's some, there's some, there's some benefits of the win that are powerful. And there's five in particular we're going to talk about that we can talk about in relation to the Holy Spirit. I'm hoping I'm making sense. I'm not trying to attack anyone or different, different things. And I'm not even trying to say some of your experiences were not the Holy Spirit. That's not my point. My point is, I want to hear the testimony of, and, the, and the witness of how the Spirit of God changed your life and magnified the kingdom of God that is here and that is now. I'm not saying I don't want to hear all your stories, but some of that is just fluff. Some of that is just extra. I want to get to the meat of it. I want to get to the story. I want to get to the point. You know, if uh, if you're on a witness stand and you're making a long, a, a short story long, the counselor, the lawyer will will, will ask you questions to to consolidate that story. They want to get to the meat of the matter. They want to get to the point. They don't want the long version unless they need to hear the long version. That making sense? They want to hear. How does this relate to the case that we're talking about? And they want to get to the point. Is that, make, is that making sense? Uh, uh, but there's five things. That, there's five manifestations of the, of the Holy Spirit regarding wind. The first one is wind has extreme power. Wind has extreme power. We just read about that briefly in 1 Corinthians 2.4, which I just read. I want to read it again. Sorry, I'm closing my Bible. 1 Corinthians 2.4, I want to read it again. And my speech and my preaching were not to, with persuasive words of human wisdom, human philosophy, human intellect. Those are just my add-ons. But in demonstration of the Spirit, wind, pneuma, and of power. That your faith should not be with the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I pray that my teaching is not just, oh, that was a good message, Dave. You have a lot of wisdom. No, I want you to see the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. That makes sense? I might not be able to see all the things that God is. It, when when I'm preaching, when other people are preaching, like Andrew Womack or whatnot, they're preaching, Joseph Prince. I might not, he and they and I may not be able to see the wind blowing. But we can, what we want to see is the effect that the Word of God had on your life. Did, did, did the Word of God, because Jesus said the words I speak, they are spirit, pneuma, and they are life. Did the Word I speak to you produce life? I can, in other words, you know how I said you can't see the wind, but you can feel it. You can see its effects. I can see the word of God affecting your life, but I might not see the actual wind of that. That makes sense. Wind has a but, but my point here: wind has has extreme power. Now, wind can also have the potential of being very powerful and destructive. For example, a hurricane, a tornado. Those are winds, but those are destructive winds. And those are extremely powerful winds, but in a destructive 
nature. Okay? But God's power is a different kind of power. I believe it's more powerful than a hurricane and tornado. But not in to in the destructive way, but in a powerful, creative, redemptive way. Again, uh, actually, uh, toggle real quick if you can to First John, chapter three. First John chapter three, and I really just want to look at the last part of the verse. We'll read the whole verse, but I really just want to look at the last part. It says, He he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the, be- from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, there's that word manifest again, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came so that he may, what? destroy the works of the devil. Some of you might say, well, I thought he came to save me. I thought he came to heal me. Yes, he did. But he couldn't save you, and he couldn't heal you until he first destroyed the works of the devil. (coughs) There is a destructive force with God that is good, not bad. But there is a destructive force. Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus had a, <coughs> Jesus, God wanted a relationship with you, but there was something in the way called sin. So Jesus became sin so that you could become the righteous God in Christ Jesus. Jesus also said in John 14, and we've read this many times. Actually, go with me real quick. John 14. We usually focus on verse 12, but I want to I wanna, uh, read the two preceding, preceding verses to that. John 14, verse 10. It says, Do you not believe I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. And in context, he's talking about, I go to the Father, that the Holy Spirit may come. There's a lot I'm saying here, folks, and I'm hoping you can connect some dots that I'm trying to connect here. The works that Jesus did, he did because the Father was in him. And he was in the Father. And he's saying, we can do the same works that Jesus did because the Holy Spirit is in us. But we have to believe. That's the key part of it. That's the key that turns this thing on. is faith. 
Jesus said, he also said in context of this whole passage that it's expedient that I go to the Father, that he, the Holy Spirit, can come because you will do the works that I've done and even greater works because he, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the wind, the Spirit of God, will do the works of the Father. And what was the works of God through the cross? To destroy the works of the devil. Okay? I got a little ahead of myself. Many times we try to, see, let me say this again. Let me back up a minute. Beep, 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 beep. You know. We read this verse in John fourteen twelve That we will do the works that he did. And even greater works than he did. Because he goes to the Father. And we know that in context he's going to the Father. That the Holy Spirit may come. Okay. And many times because he said that. We tried to copy what Jesus did. Instead of learning how he did. What he did. Many times, let me say that again. Many times we religiously try to copy what Jesus did and we wonder why it doesn't work. Instead of learning how he did what he did. When you learn how to do what he did, it's not just copying what he did. Is knowing how he did it. How did Jesus do what he did? He did it by the Father. He did it by the Holy Spirit. It's not just copying what he did. It's knowing how he did it. That's why I want you to know the Holy Spirit. That's why, that's why I want you to know his amazing grace, the extravagant love of the Father, and the f- intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Because I want to teach you, church, how. To do what Jesus did. Not just tell you what he did. I want to tell you what he did. But I want to also show you how you can operate in demonstration and in power. Am I making sense? The Father was in him. And the Father is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. The power is in the wind. And the Baptist baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how I'm doing on time. I probably won't finish everything I have. I got about 15 minutes. Let's go to Acts 10, 38 real quick. Acts 10, 38. This is uh, uh, Peter ministering to Cornelius. They receive salvation. They receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as water, as well as water baptism. But Jesus is preaching to Cornelius' house. He he makes a statement. I'm not going to preach the whole sermon, but he says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. By the devil, for God was with him. God anointed Jesus with power. He anointed him with the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, destroying his works. For God was with him. But church... God is with you. Emmanuel, the Spirit of God, is with you. 
And this holy hurricane, tornado force is in you to destroy the works of the devil. When a powerful hurricane, tornado winds can destroy things. And the Holy Spirit of God wants to destroy the works of the devil. How did he do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has already convicted us that the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the devil is already judged. The devil is already defeated. We just read that in John 16. And the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you, convict you, that the, whole, that the enemy, the God of this world, is judge. So in one sense of the world, the enemy is already defeated. But the enemy, his only weapon is deception. And he has deceived many people, including many people in the church, that he is still powerful. He's not. He's defeated. But if he can deceive you, he can still work in your life. All you have to do is come and preach the gospel in the Spirit of God and set the captives free. It's jubilee. I mean, I wish I had time to talk about Jubilee. Jubilee was not a suggestion. Jubilee was a command. You read this in Leviticus 25 or 26. Jubilee. Every 50 years, on the Day of Atonement, as the priest stands at the temple, every debt was canceled. Every prisoner was released. Every sin was canceled. It was Jubilee. And it was a command. That means if someone owed you a debt, you had to forgive them. If someone trespassed against you, you had to forgive them. You had to let one another go. You know, and we talk about fasting. In Isaiah 50, 58, it uh, talks about fasting. And, and a lot of people think, in Isaiah, uh, God is saying, fasting is not pointing your finger at one another. We need to let people go. And, and there's, there's many things that the devil is doing through envy and strife, through every evil work, James 3.16. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4 talks about how we grieve the Holy Spirit because of how we treat one another. And I'm not just talking about how we treat one another, even though Paul says we can speak in tongues, we can have faith to move mountains, but we have not love or nothing. I'm going to get into some of this about talking about the compassion of God, talking about the nature of God, and, 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 and how it combines with the Holy Spirit. But there's people who need to be set free from sin. People who need to be set free from strife and fighting them on another. There's people who need to be set free through forgiveness. There's people who need to be set free from sickness of all kinds. Because Christ has already paid for our healing. Christ has already paid for our sanctification. But we need to go destroy the works of the devil by preaching the gospel. By preaching the truth. By telling people the truth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He is anointed me to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of testimony I want to hear. <coughs> and, <coughs> and this witness, <coughs> this testimony that we are supposed to be proclaiming will set people free. The gospel is the power of God to everyone who believeth. And we need to preach the gospel under the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. We need to demonstrate love. We need to demonstrate the gifts. We need to demonstrate. You don't have a kidney? In the name of Jesus, be healed. Behold, kidney, be, come, come alive. We need to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Not only in word only, but also in power. 
And it comes in many different forms. Sometimes it means we, we love and forgive one another. You know, I see more people get healed just from a simple hug. Versus you just giving them all kinds of spiritual talk. But sometimes you, sometimes some people just need a hug. I've seen people get set free from someone just saying hello and smiling at them. I'm not saying there can't be some other things that we can do, but sometimes the simplest answer is a very simple answer. We all want to be loved. We all want to be appreciated. We all want to be valued. We all want these things. And none of us deserve anything. We all deserve hell. But at the same point in time, it's time to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. It's time to see the power of God. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for them to see miracles. It's time for them to to see a demonstration. I mean, I think of all that's going on in our world today. Elijah, Daniel, Joseph, they saw miracles and different things under ungodly leadership, ungodly governments, all kinds of uh, stuff, Moses and different things. And and Jesus said, I mean, even in the days of Jesus, even in the days of the apostles, both the, the Roman culture and the Jewish leaders, they were corrupt. But they saw miracles. They saw, uh, they come to the city gate and they, the beautiful gate and it's silver, silver and gold I have not, but in the name of Jesus rise up and walk. And they caught a whole riot. They caught a whole ruckus through one healing. And they were asked not to preach in his name. Where did this power come from? It's time to heal the sick. It's time to love one another. It's time to forgive one another. It's time to get rid of all this junk. And it's time for us to be the church. And demonstrate it. There's different ways of demonstrating it. Jesus, and I'm getting ahead of myself, because I'm running out of time, so I want to leave you with some stuff here. It's just that Jesus ministered out of compassion. He had compassion on the multitudes. He healed the multitudes. He fed the multitudes out of compassion. We'll talk about the gifts. We'll talk about operating in faith and miracles. But Jesus did it out of compassion. What drove him to do it? Compassion. You ever, you ever, you ever, uh, hear someone's story? How they have a need? Physical need? Or something that's just a big need? And you wish you had the funds and the resources to help meet that need? That's the Spirit of God talking. Jesus wanted to feed the multitudes out of compassion. Twice. He didn't even have a lunch himself. He got the little boy's lunch and he multiplied it. That's the spiritual gifts at work. And he did what stirred all that? What prompted all that? Compassion. He did all that. It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of, the fruit of the Spirit is love, compassion, joy, peace. The Spirit of God is speaking all the time. We're just not listening. It's, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is God speaking. It's not some, uh, whether I get the shaking or sensation. And we'll talk about some of that stuff. I'm not saying all that's wrong and all that's bad. But it's that sensation, it's that feeling, it's that manifestation causing you to do something in the Spirit of God. Or are you just having your own private moment? And I'm not saying you can't have your own private moment. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that in and of itself. But that's not what I want to hear about. That's not what that's the effect I want to, to talk about. I don't want to talk about how the leaves moved all day because of the wind. I want to see what the wind, how, how, you know, well, my second point, I'm not going to get to it today, is there is a refreshing with the wind. You ever, you ever been out here, especially somewhere where it's very humid 
and all of a sudden you get that ocean breeze or whatever, and it just feels refreshing. We need that refreshing, and we'll get to that. I haven't got there yet. Uh, I haven't finished this point. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is I can go about doing good. Like Jesus went about, anointed with the Holy Spirit power. Sorry, I think I confused you because I talked about the refreshing when I got ahead of myself, but I didn't finish this point. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, folks, is that we can do good. And doing good means destroying the works of the devil. How do we destroy the works of the devil? We preach the gospel. We heal the sick. We set the captives free. We forgive one another. We minister to one another. We wash one another's feet. Didn't Jesus just talk about that? Before he talked about the Holy Spirit, he talked how we are to wash one another's feet. Isn't that the Holy Spirit working? We need to forgive one another. We need to minister to one another. We need to heal all. You know, some of the healings that I know that need to take place have nothing to do with a physical healing, but has to do with emotional, psychological. There's a lot of people we minister to. They are, uh, they're hurting. Not physically, even though they might have physical needs or financial needs or relational needs. But there's, we, there's people who are depressed. There are people who are discouraged. There are people who have been victimized. And they've been, they've been tortured in many different ways. And they need healing. And you can, just being a friend, just being a good friend can bring healing to someone who has never experienced the friendship of the Holy Spirit. I want you, I talk a lot already about having a friendship with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit can use you to be a friend of someone who's never experienced the Holy Spirit. And you can be a representation, you can be an ambassador of the Holy Spirit and be a friend of them. That's power. Using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, using the food of the Holy Spirit. We can heal all who are oppressed with the devil. Those who are sick are being oppressed with the devil. Those who are, have diseases of various kinds, they are being oppressed with the devil. And those who are also depressed and, and all kinds of emotional, psychological problems, they are also being oppressed by the devil. Okay, but it's time to heal the sick. It's time to set the captives free by the Spirit of the living God. For God was with him. God is with you. God is with us. When we shall do greater works than he did because we have the Holy Spirit and part of that force of the wind is to destroy the works of the devil. And there's some things that need to be destroyed. There's a bunch of junk out there that that, that needs to go to the pit. Okay? We need to destroy the works of the devil. That's what Jubilee was all about. Jubilee was a total restoration of all things. They started the next 50 years with no debt, with no prisoners. Every cell was empty. Every prisoner was set free. Everybody was forgiven. Everybody was pardoned. There was no debts. See, back, back in biblical times and even in, in, in recent history, uh, but sometimes if a family went into debt, they had to, sometimes the father had to go make, make himself a servant to provide for his family. Sometimes in extreme cases, the mom did too. And in very extreme cases, uh, sometimes the children had to also give themselves to slavery or servanthood to, to survive. But Jubilee meant that all, the, all those debts were canceled and everyone got to come, come home. Could you imagine the reunion 
If you've been gone for 50 years from your family because you had to, to work for someone as your servant to, just to get a roof over your head and food on the table, that when all debts were canceled, you got to come home and, sit and be a family again? Do you see the reunion of that? Do you see the restoration of that? Do you see why it was a shout? He says in Isaiah, uh, Psalm 89, um, Blessed are those who know the joyful sound. That joyful sound is the sound of jubilee. And you're going to be happy if your debts are paid and you get to be come home. Maybe you made a mistake and you're in jail. And maybe you should be there because you made a mistake. But you are in pardon. You're given a second chance. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm not talking about those who, can, you know, uh, anyway, I'm not trying to make anything political out of this. I'm just talking about it's time to set the captives free. Okay, I'm not, uh, hopefully you get my, my, my gif, my, my point. Uh, I didn't get as far as I wanted to today, and I'm just about time, out of time. I got four more things I'm going to be going over with. I'll, I'll pick this up next week. We'll talk about, I'll probably recap this one a little bit. But the Holy Spirit's a wind, and there's some effects, there's some positive effects of the wind. Uh, I also like this because we can recognize the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about some other aspects of the Holy Spirit too, not just wind. But this is one thing that the God reconnects with the Holy Spirit as wind. And I'm also trying to bring clarity because there's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of ignorance. There's a lot of misconstrued ideas of the Holy Spirit that has just made people crazy. And that craziness has caused the other half of, of the church to not want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. Because there's a lot of just weirdness out there. And, and I'm not trying to contain, I'm not trying to tell people that can't, they're not free in the Holy Spirit, but we don't have to scare the other people in the, in the process. We can do things decently in the order and where, where we can be free in the Holy Spirit, but also too, the, the whole church can be edified. You know, and if people don't understand what's going on and, and, and it's not edifying to them, then to me, it's not beneficial. <laughs> I think the whole church should be edified by it. And some of it needs to just be taught on both sides. And he told the church, the Corinthian church who were, the Corinthian church was, got weird on some things. And Paul had to bring some correction on some things. He says, and he has to that church that Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of spiritual gifts, of spiritual matters. We need to bring some, I don't want to be ignorant of the Holy Spirit. I also don't want to ignore the Holy Spirit. I want to operate in power. I want to operate in healthiness, and I want to do what Jesus did. I don't want to just copy what he did. I want to know how he did it and do what he did in this age, in this hour, in 2021. Uh, I want to operate in power. I want to operate as Paul did. I want to operate as the disciples did, the apostles did, in the Spirit of God, and they changed the world upside down. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have technology, and they turned the world upside down. You know, I, I thank God that we can use Facebook and YouTube. The day may come very soon that we can't use these technologies. But I believe we can turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, he's my source. Praise God for these tools. But these tools are not my source. He is. And if I have to be transported like Philip from place to place to place, so be it. That beats air travel. You know? And uh, anyway, I can get on a lot of different things. We are not limited, folks. We have so much at our disposal. Uh, and we, the kingdom of God is just as real. The spirit of God is just as real as wind. You can't see it, but you can feel its effects. 
And we don't want to be a hurricane where we everyone is uh, dismembered. <laughs> we want to be a hurricane force that is destroying the works of the devil, not causing confusion. Because where there's envy of strife and confusion, there's every there's confusion in every evil work. If it in and and and, and in context there, in James chapter three. Uh, James is comparing the wisdom, two kinds of wisdom. There's two kinds of wisdoms. He says the, the first kind of wisdom is earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. And there, when there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. I don't want, I don't want to bring confusion to the body of Christ. And I don't want to bring confusion to the world as we operate in the Spirit of God. I don't want to bring uh, the other kind of wisdom that's from above is pure, it's peaceable, it's willing to be entreated, it's full of mercy and grace, it's, it has the fruit of righteousness, it's sown in peace by those who make peace. The fruit of the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is awesome. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But there's some people because it's not being done properly, you know, when Jesus when Jesus operated in the Spirit of God, he attracted people. There are some people, they operate in the Spirit, they drive people away. That's wrong. The Holy Spirit, when it's done properly, should attract the people, not drive them away. It's not spooky. Now, now I get it in some towns where Paul ministered to, like Ephesus, when he ministered to, he put all the fortune tellers out of work, and that caused a riot, <laughs> you know. Because uh, they didn't, they, they depended on those funds. You put the, uh, you know, and so, but that's, uh, while a riot was happening, the revival was also happening. And so, uh, you know, some things need to be destroyed. But not to bring confusion, but to bring clarity. And some things need to be destroyed. And so, uh, and we do that by the Spirit of God, not in the flesh. Because, you know, there's a lot going on in our world, but our, our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual. For the bringing down of every stronghold. And we do that in the spirit, not in the flesh. And so, uh, there's so many things I can get on. Uh, Lord, I wor- we worship you. Well, I don't know how much I'm making sense. But I pray that we all would know the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus had a relationship with the Holy Spirit and operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me in the weeks even to come to teach us so we can understand. You are the spirit of truth. You are the teacher. I'm just your vessel. But you are the teacher. Teacher, teach us the Holy Spirit. Teach us about yourself. Introduce yourself to us that we may know you and we can operate in your power effectively in this generation, in this age, in this era, in this time that we live in. In your name we exalt you, we magnify you, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen, amen. God bless you. Join us tonight as we talk about uh, the true nature of God at 6 o'clock. And then we'll, we'll see you then. Okay, right. God bless. Yeah.